currently being filmed for a five-part docuseries on Netflix. It's the Extended Play Podcast with Ian Tank. Welcome to the Extended Play Podcast with Ian Tank. If this is your first time joining us, we are a music discussion podcast without the hipster snobbery. We are also a advocate for furries. We are? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I've waited three seasons to put it out there. I mean, you said we. Let's, let's well, turn that back a little look, bit. Where, where we go one, we go all, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> we are also a QAnon podcast. <laughs> Uh, you can just hear the sound of people hitting right. the next podcast. Unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, as much as serious as we can possibly be, uh, th- today's episode is documentaries. And we're going to talk, obviously, about music documentaries, what we like about them, what we don't like about them, um, how they influence our perception of the uh, the subject, which could be the music or the band or the artist. Um We'll get into some that we really liked. Um, Tank and I have some in common, um, mm-hmm. a few in common at least, uh, and then others we'll get into that we've seen individually, ones that we really like, that is. And uh, we may even round out uh, with some recommendations for ones we've seen. Yeah, and I think that even though we have our differences, obviously, in uh, as highlighted by the relegation episode, <laughs> yeah, right. um, in what kind of music we like, I mm-hmm. think we both have a insatiable appetite for finding out more about how that music came to be. Absolutely. Whether it's, you know, background on the artist themselves or, you know, just the, the mechanics of the making of the song. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I think I lean towards the latter. I think I'm fascinated with song creation. Okay. The creative and process or the technical process? Both. 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 Okay. Um, so, I mean, I think given the choice of like a two-hour story of a person – Sure. Or two hour. Here's how the album came together. I'd always choose the latter. Okay, that totally and, and makes maybe, sense. Maybe we're maybe that's where we diverge a little bit. But sure. Maybe not. No. No. I think I'm. A, uh, I share the same view, which is funny because I just recently, and maybe you can talk about this now, or maybe we talk about it later. Whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, that's right. It's our show. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, talk about furries. <laughs> I have nothing. I literally have nothing to say. You know what's funny? <laughs> so, side note. Um, you know, without getting into too much personal info, I'm opening a business that requires some advertising and it may require the purchase of a mascot <laughs> and wait a mascot costume yes okay. no no an actual mascot <laughs> okay this is gonna get dark real we're going to the dark web folks i am buying an actual human being from guatemala <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> no uh, yes a mascot costume at, for our marketing but i am dreading the kind of ads i'm gonna start getting <laughs> Right. You know, I'd be right. scrolling around. It's like, oh, go to this furry convention, <laughs> right. Chicago. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, it's all right. Um, I watched a documentary just the other day in preparation. Um, I just, you know, when we, when we started talking about this, I thought there's a bunch of documentaries I've got in my queue that I haven't watched yet. And I thought if I got some time, I have some time, I'll go through it. And um, I watched the MIA documentary on the artist MIA. And it was fascinating because um, there's a whole, you know, Without spoiling it, because I don't, because I think it's in the trailer. Her dad started the Tamil Tigers in Sri Lanka, like he's a right, like he's a the lead, or he's the, he's the founder of this movement, this militant movement, and um, so she gets into a lot of like what it was like to grow up in Sri Lanka and then move to London, and you know what it's like to be the 
daughter of a freedom fighter who really wasn't there for the family because he was busy, like with this obviously bigger task yeah. than raising a family. But, and it gets into her rise and how she became famous and successful and never gets into the creation of the actual music. Hmm. Like, how did she find a producer? How did she write songs? I mean, there's almost none of it in it. And that, and I was really bummed out by it. I think early on I realized it wasn't going to happen. And then I just kind of accepted it right. and moved on. But to your point, I think I do want that. I want yeah. the creative process. How do these people who have this incredibly unique skill set, uh, how do they do it? How do they access their creativity? How do they work creative creatively with other people? Um, how does, you know, how does that compromise work? How do the relationships work? It's all fascinating. Yeah. And by the way, if she hasn't titled an album, daughter of a freedom fighter, (laughs) she hasn't. Right. It's it's pretty great. Missing a gigantic opportunity (laughs) there. Right. Right. Let's reach out to her. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's let's do that. Yeah. I'm sure she's waiting. Yeah. Get on the the horn. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's probably got her extended family t-shirt right now. She's wearing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that needs to happen by the way. Yeah, actually it does. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, we where whereas you know that scale of are we watching it more for the creation of the music mm-hmm. or the expose on the person? Um, regardless of why, there's an interesting question out there of do you want to know more about the person? <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know, there's you know, I am a you know mentioned it before. I think one of my guilty pleasures is pro wrestling, and generally not. The, the, the people who play the characters generally not the smartest or most virtuous people. <laughs> sure. Right? It, it's changing a bit. The modern WWE is very much. Oh, okay. There are people that grew up wanting this as a career path. Okay. They're tremendous athletes. Okay. They are trained actors, all kinds okay. of stuff. But not that long ago, it was pretty much guys with drug problems. <laughs> who like to beat other people up. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And, and if they didn't have a drug problem when they started, they sure did shortly after getting <laughs> sure. there. Um, and, and, you know, they kind of the you know, in the, these wrestling chat communities, it's like, you probably don't want to meet your favorite wrestlers okay. because it's, so you're, you're not going to dig it anymore. Right. So you stay away from it. You try not to learn too much. Yeah. I mean, it's inevitable. Some of it, and, th- and there's some great people like John Cena's you know, sure. world record holder for make a wish granted. Right. And you know, he does all these things. He actively tries to avoid people finding out. Oh, right? that's cool. And, okay. Yeah. Um, as opposed, as opposed to people like the ultimate warrior who seems like an awful, awful human. Okay. I mean, not to go too far <laughs> off this, but like, Fucking WWE has won like humanitarian award and yeah. they call it the warrior award. <sighs> and he was a noted homophobe Yeah, who said, quote, queering doesn't make the world go around. Jesus Christ. And this is the guy that you name right. your humanitarian <laughs> award after. Ugh. I mean, that's like, you know, OJ Simpson getting husband of the year award or something. <laughs> right. right. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, oof, man, if someday I'm going to do a podcast on WWE and it is <laughs> the layers to it, the Vince McMahon aspect is sure, amazing. Yeah. But anyway, um, no. So for that reason, you know, you always got to think twice when you have an artist that you inevitably painted a mental picture of. Absolutely. Part of the magic of music is you feel, especially with certain types of music, like you know this person. Right. Or, or you've shared an emotional right. experience or bond with them. Totally. And then you, maybe you want to leave it that way. (laughs) You don't want to sit down and watch them talk for half an hour about how they think the world is flat. Exactly. exactly. You're like, oh, (laughs) fuck. That song will never be the same now. I did not sign up for this. No, exactly. Can you recall an experience like that where you actually watch a documentary and you're like, oh, I don't like these people? I guess maybe not. Maybe I've been lucky in that way. Um, More like reading interviews. I mean, the same thing can happen when you read an interview with your favorite art or or any artist. You're like, oh, this person's a jackass. Or often now it's in the headlines like 
so-and-so sat down for an interview and then all of a sudden mentioned something super racist, yeah. non sequitur. And you're like, Oh, I don't yeah. like this guy anymore. No, I mean, I, I mean, I personally haven't, but um, you know, the, the first of many mentions of, uh, of Metallica yeah, yeah! Um, and the, and their documentary, but I know that some kind of monster did have a tremendous negative effect. Yeah, sure. With them and their fans. Right. Uh, because they, you know, you think that a lot of these people would have figured it out before 2003 or whenever that movie came out. Yeah. But like, they're not these edgelord, you know, vicious right. thrash metal. Like, dude, that was the eighties. Right. Let it go. Yeah. But a lot of guys probably living in basements. Sure. Still saw them that way. Yeah. And then the thing comes out like, oh man, what the fuck is this pussy stuff? Right. The same people that called them sellouts for Black exactly. Album. Right. And who have been doing it for 40 years. Oh like, like, dude, let it go. <laughs> Right, but but it was a huge and an, another reason I you know respect the band so much. Yeah. They knew that was going to happen. Sure, you don't. You'd have to. You don't be fucking Metallica and put out a movie of you crying and talking about your emotions. Exactly. They, this is going to double our sales. <laughs> right, but but that lost them a ton of admittedly probably stupid fans. But yeah, I mean that they, you know, I'm sure that if you pulled the average fan before that and after, they probably lost a huge uh, huge chunk of fans. Yeah. It's crazy because we are in the in the day and age of you talk about documentary documentaries in general of famous people having docu documentaries made of themselves with them bankrolling it. You've yeah. seen this a lot lately in yeah. in, in sports. It's been a, a new thing with um, I think the the Michael Jordan or the, I'm sorry the Bulls mm -hmm. right the Bulls documentary uh, Magic Johnson's recent documentary he produced it and left out a lot of stuff like how he's like not really cool to his gay son mm -hmm. although they interviewed his gay son and made it seem pretty rosy and it's right not so much um and then the reason one my wife was watching the beckham documentary the other day david beckham i mean clearly i don't know i haven't done the research i'm not going i don't think i need to clearly made by him and pre presents just this super rosy picture of everything he's about and ugh. yeah that's you know that's a little troubling honestly. i know i know like it's almost like when there was a time when maybe people weren't morally bankrupt enough or clever enough, yeah. deviously clever yeah, sure. to think, why don't I make my own documentary? Right. Why, why don't I shape the narrative? Right. Right. But now there is. Yes. And it's like, so shouldn't there be a different word for it? Because it's not right. the same thing. A story about you made by you is a yeah. lot different than a story by you made by a neutral third party. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. It is. And it's, I, I don't doubt that a lot of these people are just getting in front of the eventual documentary that would actually tear them down Yeah. or not, if not tear them down, at least expose that they're human right. and they make mistakes. Right. Right. And then that being a celebrity uh, opens you up to a different level of scrutiny and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. I find that, I hope that trend doesn't continue I'm with musicians. And I don't, I, I don't, not that I can recall. I watched one of the Taylor Swift documentaries. There's a few. It was more of a performance documentary about making one of the one of her last albums. And um, you know, it, it was rosy, but there was nothing. They weren't investigating her life. Right. Right. So so they made it just to show the, the actual process of making an album. I think that's a neutral thing to begin with. But I hope I, I mean I know Kanye had a right a multiple part documentary mm -hmm. done on him that is not rosy. Right. Um that came out fairly recently. Uh, I hope this doesn't start happening because I don't want, I don't want propaganda for my documentaries, which is, I mean, yeah, it's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down, but I, I can virtually guarantee that in the near future, there will be a, a somewhat of a scandal where a celebrity financed their own documentary through a third party. Oh, sure. Like a shell. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Where, where they present it as a neutral look, but it yeah. turns out they paid for oh, it. Oh, I'm sure. 
I'm sure Shit, it probably already happening. Right? Probably. Yeah. We just never, yeah. We just right. don't know about because it. Because it is, it's great PR. Yes. Right. Yes. And you know, you get to like, you, you know, like you said, if you know something bad is coming, yeah. Um, at least get it out there ahead of time so that you end up back where you started. Sure. Right? You know, move up, move back. Right. 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 The, the good news with music at least is, you know, and God knows there's enough history to prove it. Um, people don't care that much about the character of the people making it. No, they don't. So, I mean, the, more now, I think. More now, but it was never like movie stars. No. Or, no. or other quote-unquote celebrities, right? I mean, it, with where we are today, celebrities largely, I shouldn't say largely, but there's a significant chunk of them that are there not based on talent. Sure. Right? It's sure. just, you know, all these fucking influencers. And, yeah, you know, right. Starting with Paris Hilton on the way down. Sure. They're there because they captured some sort of zeitgeist, not because they have any kind of... Right. Artistic. Anything to offer the yeah, world. sure. Right. Um, so they are completely dependent on perception and right, you know, and then you start working your way down. I think musicians are almost like, yeah, they've limited incentive to, to do that. Yeah. I think the musicians we care about do right. Cause we're, right. pop music is a whole different thing. Right. We're but that's chicken or the egg. It's why it's the music sure. we like. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I think music in general, Chris Brown is a great example. Oh, sure. You could do a two hour documentary. You, you could do two hours of security for footage of him beating the shit out of Rihanna. Yeah. And it's not going to impact these no. fucking morons that go to his concert. It doesn't matter. Or seemingly other artists who yeah. continue to collaborate with him. Yeah. Which is fucking nuts. It's like how, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he's some sort of transcendent generational talent. No. Right. Like if it was like, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of an instrument and someone who is, you know, singular and their, you know, amazing ability at it. And it's like, okay, I know he's a piece of shit person, but I always wanted to play with X. Yeah, sure. Right. Well, Woody Allen got away with it in, in film, right? That's true. For years. Yeah. Until very recently where everybody would sign up for Like, I know he's a shitty person. Harvey Weinstein did it forever. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. And and maybe it just needed another crop of talent so that they could marginalize them. (laughs) Right. right? It's like, well, someone's going to make us fucking movies. That's right. Right. You know, these awkward self-referential fucking comedies aren't going to write themselves. You know? Um, Yeah. But I fucking Chris, really? There's a thousand to me. I mean, maybe because we're not R and B heads, but I mean, mean, no one should be. But Kanye is a good example. Okay. I could see someone saying, look, Kanye's an asshole. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. But I want a Kanye beat. Yeah, sure. You know, it's like, okay, it's a decision you have to make, yeah. right? It's whether it's money driven, art driven, I could see the conflict. Oh, sure. But Chris Brown. Yeah. Like, Honestly. Go do it with Usher. Yeah. And right. <laughs> Seems to be a good guy. Like, there's right. better versions of that available. <laughs> That's right. No, it's a really good point. Uh, yeah. If you, if you want a closer look at this, check out our villains episode where we kind of mm-hmm. get into, you know, what you do with the information. Um, you yeah. know, when you find out you're an artist, you like is a piece of shit, yeah. which happens too often. Um, yeah. but, but you're right. I think, I think, you know, the, the kind of documentaries we seek out, the kind of bands we listen to or artists we listen to, you know, one of their endearing traits is that they don't care much about public perception, right. that they're willing to, you know, open the doors and say, Hey, look at what we do. We got nothing to hide. You know, we, this is the, these are the kind of people we are. So when I was prepping for this episode, Tank, I was I was looking at, you know, I just started making a list of all the documentaries I could remember seeing. And then but I also got into because I consume, you know, this kind of information not only through film, but also through television, you know, Netflix series or whatever, mm-hmm. through books sometimes. Um, and I couldn't help but remember I started to think about behind the music. Mm. Do you remember mm. how good behind the music was? They were. And how 
formulaic. (laughs) (laughs) Despite how formulaic. You you can lay out a template. It's like, all right, 25 minutes into the episode, we're going to commercial. And the narrator's like, but they wouldn't know that tragedy was about to strike. (laughs) And you know, either they picked artists who had this thing, drugs, some sort of major tragedy in their career, um, or... Yeah, that, it seemed yeah. to me they targeted those people or they would just make it seem like it was a bigger deal than it was. Right. It's sort of the model in HGT, HGTV shows where they'll, it'll be like a home remodeling show and they'll be like, and we weren't, all of a sudden, uh, uh, like the the designer looks and goes, oh, we can't remove that that wall after all. Yeah. And they make a big dramatic <laughs> scene right. of it before they go to commercial and they come back and they go, oh yeah, we could do it. We just had to apply for a permit. Yeah. <laughs> It's like ridiculous, manufactured, yeah, Seriously. intrigue. And, you know, not to go too far off on a tangent, someone somewhere decided that, like, house hunting shows in HGTV yeah. is the visual product to have when you get your hair cut. If you go to one of these dude haircut places, <laughs> okay. you know, your Lady Jane's type things. Okay. I've been to two or three. Look, I go because you just can walk in and it's relatively cheap. I don't give a shit about my hair. Anyone who's seen me will know that. <laughs> But every time I go, the TVs are on mute and they always have HGTV. That's on. weird. It's, but you know why? Because I think it's, they found the perfect blend of stuff that the stylist wants to watch ah, and that the guy, the will, guys don't mind watching. Right. Cause exactly. there's like some DIY aspect to it. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it is so rage. I can't tell you how many times I started a conversation with the stylist sitting there like, how do they afford these homes? <laughs> it's always like, it'll say, oh, budget 2.3 million. <laughs> Right. And you assume they must be reasonably well off and intelligent people. Right. And then they start talking. It's like, oh, I want seven toilets in my bathroom. Right. It's like, what? How? Oh. We, we, look, we know it's all fake anyway. Yeah, it's but infuriating. Those shows are infuriating. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Back to the top. Yeah, no, but behind the music was, it was great. Like you knew. And, and behind the music was a VH1 show, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Of course. And, and it was produced in a time where like excess and rock and roll was a huge Thing, right so yeah right. behind the music on every hair band which of course is going to be a bunch of no nobodies who packed up from you know lived in bumfuck usa and moved mm-hmm. out to la or new york well i think it was la for hair metal yeah primarily yeah and um you know formed a band and then got popular beyond all their wildest dreams right <laughs> and then all developed drug and alcohol problems right. shocking <laughs> A guy leaves the band, or, or, and then they come back, and mm-hmm. they're sleeping with each other's girls, and just yeah, I mean, just and then sometimes moms, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think right, yeah, actually, yeah. Oh, gross. Um, um, <laughs> you know, and, and looking back to so, so, such a lazily produced show, mm-hmm. think back about they had virtually zero new content. No, you're right. The shows were largely B-roll. B-roll. <laughs> It was like, like, they gave it, they they took like an hour to write a script. Yes. They gave it to that, that narrator. We could all hear his voice in our head right now. Yeah. And he basically narrated over B-roll to tell a story. Yeah. And then they would have like three minutes of interview footage. Right. They they would never get in any ancillary figures. It was always just the subject of the episode. Right. They'd have like a two second clip of them going like, yeah, man, it was pretty fucked up. (laughs) And then (laughs) then like a bunch of video clips. Anyway, very, very often not even really about the music. No. Oh, you know what? We should do a behind the music about the extended play podcast. That'd be incredible. Yeah. Be very meta. Yeah. We just, yeah. Have a camera rolling at all times. Right. Right. (laughs) And that was the day he found out about tanks furry obsession. (laughs) (laughs) You know, hard cut to you with it, with a background, like, look, I didn't know, man. All right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have stood for it if I knew. (laughs) The irony. And then hard cut to me in a furry costume. (laughs) Look, he had to find out sooner or later. (laughs) All right. Okay. 
Oh, that was so good. <laughs> yeah, but I love that shit in the same way that I loved um, Storytellers, the series on yeah, MTV and that, that was really one. Yeah, where you also get the sort of like mini documentaries because mm-hmm. if they did them well, you got the stories behind the songs. Wait, no. They, they, you always got the story behind the songs. Yeah, it was, it was the um, I was unplugged. unplugged, where sometimes they'd offer you some background right. stuff. Yeah, but storytellers, that was that was the thread. Yeah, no, yeah. I love that. Though, you know, be careful what you ask for because I know I, I can't think of specific examples, but I, but I know you've had this this experience where you you uh, you see a performance from a, from an artist or you read an interview and you find out the song is about something totally different than you always thought yep. it was about. And it ru- kind of ruins it for you. Yes. You, you open yourself up to that kind of experience as well. Yeah. Right. And all this stuff. And uh, you should, for the, uh, for the extended scrolling, you should send a, or this week put a link to the SNL skit. Well, Will Ferrell was Neil Diamond and he was telling stories about, I think it was oh, like, yeah. oh, right. it was like sweet Caroline. Yeah. Like, Here's a song I wrote <laughs> when I killed a drifter to get an erection. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Did he uh, do that bit of, um, multiple times? He I might have. He did. And then Horatio Sands is like, leave us out of this man. like, I will leave you in. <laughs> Note yeah. taken. Look for that in yeah. the extended scrolling newsletter, which you can sign up for at extendedplaypod.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. So let's t- maybe get into um, some of the, the documentaries that we really like. Mm-hmm. And I think we'd have to... I think if we want to start, because one, a few, a couple we both seen that I think we can speak to right away are the Metallica documentary, some kind of monster. And, um, I know we both seen, uh, Foo Fighters back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think I made you, I think we did an exchange where yes. I, 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 right. This you, was a long time ago. Right. You watched some kind of monster. I watched the Wilco one. Yeah. With you. I am trying to break your heart. Uh-huh. Right. So those are ones we can talk about for sure. Cause we, and I think they serve in their own ways. And I'm just putting this together now. Um, you're listening to research being done live. Yeah. <laughs> um, they hit on the different things that we like about documentaries and, and that we don't. They're, they're different. They're all very, very different, actually, I would right, say. Right. So it's funny. I was waiting. Oh, okay. <laughs> so go another non sequitur. We talked in the villains episode about Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the documentary. Yep. Which was called whatever it was called. Uh, Finding Neverland. Finding or, Neverland. Something like that. Or lose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'm off by a word. Yeah, that's all right. I'll punch it in later on edit. That's people right. to try not to notice. Finding Neverland. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving Neverland. <laughs> um, anyway, so you, you've heard, if you listen to that episode, you've heard our take on the whole Michael Jackson thing. But anyway, it's out there, right? Everyone mm-hmm. knows that if, whether you feel one way or another, one way or the other about it, it's out there. What he may or may not have done. So I take my daughter, who is 10 years old, to her dance class the other night, and I'm sitting waiting for her in the lobby area, which, you know, smells like feet and is really loud with moms complaining about whatever, uh, you know, yeah. how their daughter didn't, you know, typical dance mom. Sounds type awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's great. Good yeah. time. I literally put on canned headphones and yeah. read. While my, my sperm is literally retreating back into my <laughs> testes as you speak. <laughs> That's only because you haven't seen a, a, a bear, someone dressed up as a bear in the last yeah, minutes. I mean, that'll reverse that flow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, anyway, so I, I'm sitting there, and before I put on the can headphones, I'm hearing the music. So one of the studios has their door open. Always, there's at least one. I think because it gets super hot, like it's an old building, maybe they don't have air conditioning or whatever. And so you hear the song on repeat that they're learning a dance to. It's fucking Michael and Janet Jackson scream. Okay. It is 2023. Uh-huh. The girls that are taking 
this dance class are no more than 16 years old. Okay. Why the fuck are you picking 30 something year old songs? It's kind of a banger though. Oh God. I, I I find it so bizarre because my wife and I were talking about this at length yesterday. She's even taking dance classes as an adult and drop them because the music choices were all 80 shit. And she's like, I like music now. Like we still go out and dance. Like, yeah, it's so weird to me. Yeah. Why you'd play such an, they have no context for that. Plus it's Michael Jackson and these are children. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Right. That that part might, yes, it's, they're probably not connecting the dots, but it's still a relatively odd choice from a dance perspective. I think so. It's not like, like, you know, rhythm nation, 1814 would have been, it was a very dance centric. And right. it is kind of a mega mix, so there is some rhythm nation okay. in it, right? It's yeah. one of those typical, yeah. Oh, anyway. This person's slowly redeeming themselves. <laughs> and side note, that was peak Janet Jackson. Uh, rhythm nation? No, no, no. The scream video, just from a a, a slutty perspective. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was great. Okay. That was a magical time for a young man. <laughs> for a young man, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but actually, speaking of Michael Jackson documentaries, um, kind of serendipitous, this popped up on Reddit this week, uh, the thriller video. Yeah. So little, little juicy anecdote for okay. those of you sitting in your car right now, listening to us, yeah. uh, pay attention, hands on the wheel, 10 and two. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I didn't even realize, well, probably cause I was fucking six at the time, but so thriller came, I assumed thriller was just this monolith from the minute it was released. Sure. But apparently beat it and Billie Jean were big hits, but then the album started to struggle. Oh, like it started to slide down the charts pretty quickly. Oh, okay. And they were worried about it, you know, not, being bigger hit than off the wall, whatever. Sure. So they're like, we need a big thing. Okay. So they knew Thriller was going to be the next song. And so Michael Jackson, strictly on one scene from American Werewolf in London. Okay. Said, I want John Landis. Okay. To direct this video. Okay. He went to John Landis. He kind of laughed. He's like, I don't do music videos. What are you doing? <laughs> right, right. So they, he finally convinces him to do it, but the budget was 900,000. Okay. Right. Which, in 1982. Two. Okay. So in today's dollars, probably 3 million or whatever. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, so they went to the record label and record labels like you're fucking crazy. And, really? And the, mo- after much arguing and negotiating, and this is Michael fucking Jackson. Yeah. Although this is, I guess, during thriller. So he's not quite <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, but they said, okay, fine. We'll give you a hundred grand. That's it. So John Landis sold the rights. He came up with the idea. Let's do a documentary of the making of this. And I remember that documentary. Well, well we all do. Yeah, right? absolutely. And he said, let's go up with the documentary and sell the rights to Showtime and MTV. That's okay. why we saw it so much. So MTV paid John Landis $550,000 okay. for the right to play that video, the documentary, okay. which as we all know, was like a big event on MTV. Absolutely like, was. And then they would play the video after. Yeah. And then he sold the right for selling that documentary on videotape to another company for 500000 Holy shit. So he created a million dollars of interest yeah. in the documentary in right. order to make this. So, and the vi- but the video had not been made yet. No, no. So it was on the concept of, they're like, we need to come up with a million dollars. And he convinced both MTV for, let's call it streaming for lack of a better word. Yeah, right. And then a VHS company for the the video portion of it. um, That, yeah, we're going to take, we're going to make this epic video and we're going to have an exclusive behind the scenes look. And they paid for it. And that's what financed the video. Wow. So it was like the cart before the horse kind of thing. No kidding. But it worked. So without the documentary, there is no thriller video. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's a... Oh gosh. Yeah. I never considered that. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. nuts. Mm-hmm. It's like 
you know, it's a little bit like how the record industry use, I guess, used to work, still does work with the whole thing about advances right. before you have done anything. Like right. you give a new band who's never re- stepped into a studio before a huge advance to right. like make the album, then they have to recoup it. Which yeah. is just a loan, kids. Right. Before you sign your record contract. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Contact Hank at extendedplay.com. <laughs> right. I should be an agent. That'd be much fun. That would be. Oh, gotta be blast. Yeah. yeah. Get like all kinds of bright colored suits. <laughs> yeah. Bright colored. What does bright colored suits have to do with being? Can be a flashy agent? Oh, okay. Be like print, print. Jerry Maguire. Yeah, okay. something. I don't okay. know. That'll be my fucking brand, dude. <laughs> I thought it was something I was supposed to know. Like all agents no, wear bright, no, bright no, colored suits. Or, or better yet, furry costume. Jesus Christ! You step into a negotiation. What do you do with a seven foot chipmunk sitting right there? <laughs> That's a power move. <laughs> oh my god! It sounds terrifying, right? <laughs> You would agree to whatever it took to get the fuck out of that room. Yeah. Who needs Suge Knight when you've got a right. seven foot chip? Right. <laughs> and you sit down and go, I'm going to eat your nuts. <laughs> you know, dude, just whatever. Just, just here, sign it. Right. Whatever you want. And uh, I'm going to employ that in life more often. Oh, God. Yeah. Too funny. Anyway, so this is a roundabout way of saying that also in that same, uh, that same trip where I'm waiting for my daughter to be done with her dance class. I happen to be reading a Chuck Klosterman book. I'm flipping through it. And he's, you know, he's this rock critic who's written, he's written tons of books and, and has written for tons of magazines. And I'm flipping through it. I'm in between books right now. I didn't have anything to read. So I just grabbed it on the way out. And I thought, oh, I can find a, a music article in here. And there was an article on some kind of monster. And I was like, holy shit. I mean, this is literally, this was Monday. Yeah. So the the timing of it was crazy. And I learned a ton of stuff about, I mean, I'm sure you know all the backstory about mm-hmm. it, but, um, you know, some of the, well, we'll get into it. So yeah, let's get into it now. Yeah. Uh, have we talked about ever like generally what the top, what the tone or what the point of the documentary was to begin with? Have we ever gone into that? Yeah. So they, they wanted to document, I think the original Genesis was let's do a documentary that gets deep, 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 deep into the making of an album. Okay. So they, they basically agreed to the concept of film this 24 seven. Yeah follow us home, like right. whatever, like everything about the making of an album. Then Jason quit the band. Okay. So as they were filming. Yes. So they had already decided this is going to happen. Yeah. And then very shortly after Jason Newstead was like, yeah, I'm out. Okay. And then that was followed in short order by, they tried plowing ahead with the three of them. Okay. And they used Bob Rock, their producer as the basis. Okay. And James, that's when his alcoholism and other addictions got. Okay. So within, I don't know, a short window of time, Jason's out of the band and James is in rehab. Crazy. So the, you know, the emotional weight of it at the start of the movie is Lars and Kirk and Kirk who just is always <laughs> just fucking happy to be there. Yeah, sure. And, you yeah. know, whatever surfing yeah. and playing solos. Right. But mostly Lars like, do I even do, do we have a fucking band? Is Metallica over? Right. And it's, it, it's, it, it's not manufactured drama. I think that's why it's yeah. so good. It's yeah. not like, yeah, you are missing half. Sure. With Jeff, without James Hetfield, there's no Metallica. Right. Sure. Um, so it, it documents that. And so it ended up being not at all what it was intended to be. Right. You do get some insight into the making of the album, but very little. And ironically, most of the music you see was never used. Most of the music. Oh, never made it to the final album. No. Oh, there, I see. So there's a, a black market, whatever tape out there called the Presidio sessions. Okay. So everything they recorded before rehab got thrown out. Okay. And what's crazy though, if you're, you know, deep into this, like I am bits and pieces of that are making it into albums to this day. No kidding. Yeah. So there's a, there was a song called, uh, temptation 
Okay. Which was, it sounded like it was going to be horrible. Okay. <laughs> and, but on 72 seasons, there's a song where then the chorus starts off temptation. Okay. It's said pretty much the same way. Oh, wow. So yeah, but, but it ended up being that, you know, it was entirely about people and not about the music. There's very little uh, St. Anger music in there. Yeah. I mean, the when I was reading the Klosterman bit, he, he's, he calls, he says, it's the most in-depth, long-form psychological profile of any rock band that's ever existed. Yeah. Which, and that, speaking of long, it's an hour too long. How long is it? It's three plus. Holy shit, really? Yep. They could have edited that down. And it was in theaters. Yes, I saw it in theater with my mom. <laughs> of course you did. Right? Of course you did. <laughs> I can't imagine what she was thinking. Like, what the fuck am well, I watching? Right. No, yes. your mom encouraged all that. Yeah, and, and she dug it from a psychological yeah, perspective. Absolutely. Right. But but that's the thing is that's what made it, I think, you know, I, I will borderline force anyone that I care about to watch it because it's not about what makes it interesting is not the Metallica part. Yeah, sure. It's the everyone can relate to I lost or think I lost everything I had and why. Yeah, sure. And forcing yourself to take a step back. And, you know, and Kirk has a really good uh, portion of that where he talks about how rehab works because he'd been through it. He's like, they take you in and they break you open. And then they look through all the pieces and try to put it back together. Right. What Klosterman talks a lot about in the piece, um, it's called Band on the Couch. And it was in Chuck Klosterman 4. So it's like a 2004 article. Anyway, he talks a lot about how that in being in a band, specifically being rock stars, which Metallica are, right? right? World famous, right? Sell millions and millions of albums. You live in a sort of suspended childhood mm-hmm. where you never have to really be an adult. Right. You, the, the luxuries that you get from being a rock star is everyone does everything for you. Mm-hmm. So you don't, your job is to get out there and to kick ass and make music and make more money for yourselves. You know, express yourself, obviously, obviously all that stuff, but there's a machine behind it. Mm-hmm. So you never have to deal with like real relationships, right. even in the band. Right. Right. And then, and so what he's talking about in the article is that, Again, exactly that, that that's what rehab did for James. And he comes back and everyone's probably like, well, what the fuck? We actually have to talk about how we do things and how we feel about each other. Right. It's a very of a 2023 thing where men. Right. 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 Who who generally have many men. Right. (laughs) Majority, I could even say, Mm -hmm. live in this extended childhood where they never address their feelings and machismo is everything. Right. And you're seen as a wuss for expressing your emotions. It's like triple that for someone in a rock, in a heavy metal rock band. And fucking Metallica, where like their their brand are these pusshead t-shirts. Yeah, right. And their iconic logo. Right. right. Alcoholica and all that shit. Exactly. I mean, to leave all that. I mean, I remember when I went to see them in the St. Anchor tour, they didn't sell alcohol. Crazy. I mean, that's how much James was on the edge. He couldn't see it in the crowd. Wow. Which ironically led to unhealthy amounts of binge drinking because they did sell it during the opener. And then word of mouth got out. This was at the palace. Oh, no shit. Like, they're going to stop selling alcohol. Metallica goes on. And people were like triple fisting beer. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet that was a, and they're sloppy messes by oh, the end yeah. of Metallica. Set. Yeah, that oh, was wow. not a great scene. <laughs> um, but no, that, that's why I'm so, I mean, that that's when I think my, my reverence for the band went from, you know, to some, to where it is now. Yeah, sure. It's like just to be that exposed and make right. it clear what the music means to you. Yeah. And that's why St. Anger, which is an otherwise difficult to listen to album. Well, it still is sonically. Sure. It's so important to me in a way. It's like, it's, if you listen to it as just a metallic album, of course you're going to miss the point. You're going to say it's one of the worst. Yeah, sure. But as a human expression, as a, as a piece of therapy. Yeah. Right. It's, it's pretty amazing. And it is so rare. I, I mean, I would love to see more examples, but of an album that is essentially a therapy session. Right. In that visceral, of that type. We've seen it a lot 
with singer songwriters, like a lot yeah, of sure. pianos, acoustic guitars, yeah, and crying. Yeah. But you don't see a whole lot of anger and fear coming out that way. That way. It's yeah. so rare. Yeah. You think of uh, the, the, the example that came to mind, Sufjan Stevens had Carrie and Lowell. His mom died, yeah. however, probably 10 years ago now. And then immediately an album comes out about that experience. But he's a singer songwriter, right. right? And these are soft acoustic based songs. That's, right. that's a really good point. You would expect him to be introspective. Yeah. You would not expect these guys to be introspective. No, and, and to, again, to find a way to channel the anger and the hurt yeah. into the music, the only way they know how. Sure. Right. And, and that's why even the video for San Anger I Love, because, you know, they shot it at San Quentin Prison. And okay. a lot of that is in the documentary. Okay. And there's a, a clip of James talking to the prisoners saying, like, basically everyone here has the same size soul. Like, you just had some things happen to you. Okay. Right. Just... Again, 20 years ahead of what, and that's why it was so poorly received at the time. People, people weren't ready. No. And for today, anybody to talk like that. Right. And today, if it came out, we'd probably be seeing all kinds of like fluff pieces and sure. how great it is Absolutely. and whatever. But at the time, it was just, what is this guy doing? Let's, yeah. let's make fun of it. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I think it's really cool. You know, the fact that they opened themselves up, that they lived it, mm-hmm. they knew it was on film and mm-hmm. they're like, fuck it. Let's put it out there. It's really brave. Ironically, speaking of what we just talked about, yeah. which is when artists finance their own greenwashing. Yeah, sure. Right? They're astroturfing their own career. Right. They they own the footage. Sure. And they're like, well, this makes us look crazy or like pussies yeah. or whatever. It's yeah. like, got to do it, man. Yeah. It's art. It's for the sake it's of the crazy. art. Crazy. Another thing from that piece, and I didn't remember the scene from the movie, was that there's a scene where Lars, the drummer, is like talking about his he's like sipping champagne and talking about his art collection. Yeah, and his that he's, he's that he's, he's selling. He's yes. selling a bunch of Basquiat's. And um, apparently he was asked directly, do you really want this in? This is not necessarily a good look. It makes yeah. you look like a pretentious asshole. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want, I mean, he was emotionally intelligent enough at the time to go, this is me. The, all of your, all, everything that's happening is everything that we are. Right. And you got, and that right. that's what people want to see, or that's what I want to show people. Right. That, I mean, that's really cool to be able to like, know that it's maybe not the best look and to put your real self out there. Right. And there's a book about the movie called this monster lives. It was written by one of the directors. Okay. And I've read it of course. Yeah, sure. Um, the only person who is in that movie unwillingly is Dave Mustaine. Oh really? So they interviewed Dave Mustaine, from uh, Megadeth. lead singer of Megadeth, founder of Megadeth, who was once in Metallica yeah. was kicked out sure. for his alcohol problems. Ironically. Yeah, sure. Um, where they interviewed him and he was crying and he said, don't use it. Oh, really? And they used it. And that is the source of Mustaine's disdain for Metallica went to another level then, and he's never recovered. Wow. And he was just furious with them because he didn't want that image out there. Sure. You know, well, Megadeth, you know, lead singer Megadeth crying. Now like, knowing what we know about Dave Mustaine. Exactly. <laughs> kind of lines up, doesn't exactly. it? But, wow. um, but yeah, he was not happy. Okay. You know, so that's one type of documentary, right? Where you, where you think, I don't know, was it presented where the ads like, watch them fall apart, fall Basically, apart. Were they? Okay. Yeah. So they knew like, obviously they yeah. knew, they, the they knew the hook, right? Yeah, sure. It was like, they knew that they, the spectacle they had. Sure. And you know, you being a mega fan, you want to go see that no matter what right. me being into music generally, I had no, like you offered to play it for me. Not really. Yeah. You didn't force me to watch it, but I, I'm just curious. So I, I watched it anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's one style of documentary, very specific. I think the other one that we watched together, um, the Foo Fighters documentary is, is a whole different thing mm-hmm. because you're doing like, uh, if, if, if memory serves me correctly, a making of an album, but getting into the history of the band at the same time, right. it's like a biopic that way. Exactly. With, except with the band, like it's, there's right. not actors. Right. That had very little to do with the current moment. 
right? Right. Some kind of monster was that moment in time captured. Yeah. Back and forth was, here's how we got here. Here's how we got here. Right. Interspersed with them recording the album and what that. Yeah. 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 Right. And, you know, my favorite part of that, because I think it humanizes something that has always been kind of divisive or glossed over, was Dave Grohl's kind of regret and hurt, you know, the, the hurt he has about how he re-recorded William Goldsmith's drum parts. So, oh, okay. You know, the, the first album, Foo Fighters, was all Dave Grohl. Yeah, right? sure. Everyone knows that. Um, but the second album, uh, Color and the Shape, he they hired, you know, this William Goldsmith guy yeah. to be the drummer. Yeah. And Dave Grohl, you know, Being listened Dave Grohl, to it. Yeah. He didn't like it, yeah. and he just re-recorded it. Yeah. Quietly, behind the scenes. And I think that Goldsmith is only on two or three songs on that album. Okay. The rest was Dave Grohl. And, of course, it devastated you know, right. Smith and he's out of the band after right. that and right. probably never really fully recovered. And I think Dave, you know, does feel pretty terrible about that. So it goes into that to some extent. Sure. And um, I think that alone makes it worth watching just to see someone wrestle with, I really shouldn't have done that. And, yeah. and, and, and the effect it had on someone else. Right. Right. One of the, my favorite scenes from that is actually just kind of just a throwaway though. Every once in a while it makes its way into like a, a Instagram mm-hmm. reel, which is, um, Grohl, well, uh, most of the band, I think, listening to playback of something they've just recorded, and it's super loud in the studio. It's Dave Grohl's home studio, Mm -hmm. right? And his daughter walks in, and she's, like, got to be six or seven years old, and she's asking questions like, well, basically, he promised her they'd go swimming together. (laughs) And she's, like, she's mouthing the words, like, I want to go, or she's actually saying, I want to go swimming, and Grohl's, like, mouthing, I can't hear you. (laughs) It's just so charming, and... I love that kind of shit because mm-hmm. that is something that is never talked about. Um, and as a parent, obviously I'm, I'm probably predisposed to be an interested in it is what, how do you manage a family right? when you're that in a healthy way, in a healthy way when you're that famous yep. and it was really endearing to mm-hmm. see, you know, it was, he had the luxury of it, the album being recorded at his house, mm-hmm. but to see him take breaks and for the other band members to bring in their kids mm-hmm. and they all go swimming together, like right. really cool stuff. You would never Again, it made me think a different way about the Foo Fighters. Yeah. No, and I mean, and I think in the movie right after that, they hard cut to the whole band and their family in the pool. Yes. Yes, they do. Playing around. Yeah. And it makes things like the death of Taylor Hawkins resonate that much more. Good point. Like when you see, you know, whenever an artist dies, you get the, you know, ubiquitous blah, blah, blah. But like, it really stung because it's like, all right, you know that every band says they're a family. Yeah. But how many bands bring the entire band to your house to play with your kids in the pool? Right. 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 I don't think a lot. And and open up that experience to everybody to see. Like we all saw how close they were. And now we all as fans have to join in with the band and deal with that loss. Yeah. Another cool thing I like about this, just mostly as a segue, is that uh, I like the scene selfishly when Bob Mould comes in and they they work out how to... I... I'm always curious about the song writing process and, mm-hmm. the, and the song recording process. And that, I, I don't know if it was the first time I ever got to see it, but there's an actual term for when you, you've got a hook or you've got the music for a song, but you don't have the lyrics and you start placing how you're going to sing the lyrics on top of the track, but it's nonsense words. There's actually a word for it. I will love, look it up later. Maybe I'll drop it in the show notes, but um, and he's doing that. So he's like, wow, wow, like <laughs> he, he doesn't actually know what the words are going to be, but he's got to get that in there musically. Mm-hmm. Um, that part was super fascinating. Um, that and I'm a huge Bob Mould fan. And I bring it up because one, that was a cool thing to see the actual nuts and bolts of the recording process, but also to see Dave Grohl geeking out 
about being able to record a song with one of his heroes. Um, that is really cool. Yes. Someone ultra famous. And he's always worn that on his sleeve, right? He's always talking about his influences, right? Which I think is, and it comes off as sincere, not pandering. It does because a lot of people won't talk about their influences because they're too pretentious. And they think, well, um, there's only one of me. Yeah. Uh, if you're trying to draw a connection between, I sound like this person and I'm ripping off that person. I'm not going to give you that information. Yeah. Or, yeah. or they'll go so obscure as like, here, here's this random fucking band that you never heard of that never performed in front of more than four people. Right. Anyway, that was really, I really liked that bit. Um, so that experience of watching Dave Grohl and his kids and Foo Fighters and their kids is in direct contrast to this documentary I just remembered I saw way back in the day on Bing Crosby. Yes, I watched a fucking Bing Crosby documentary. Oh, it was like Bing Crosby, like abusing his children or <laughs> no he was just like a not a good dad yeah he was not there for them he uh, i mean he was the most famous person on the planet when he was alive which gets lost in yeah. history right like there was no uh, actor singer dancer he was the most popular entertainer like in the, the, world. the will smith of his time <laughs> it's true though right? right you think will smith is like for, oh, for a period, like independence. For a period, yeah, 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 yeah independence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sure. He had a run there. Yeah, sure. Men in Black, Independence Day. Yeah, sure. You He's could good. argue he was the A list of A list. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. And he had a music career. He did. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to sneeze at. Mm-mm. Yeah, but anyway, like you get like and you get interviews. I think with his kids that are like, yeah, he wasn't around, and yeah. even when he was, he wasn't really present. That and the guy's dead. He can't defend himself either. That's kind of the odd thing about that. But you know, so the, you get the yin and yang, right? Like back and forth really endeared me to him now. And I listened, I probably do listen to more Foo Fighters because of that documentary. Yeah. You're more willing to be patient with it. Yes. Yes. I'm not necessarily more or less willing to listen to Bing Crosby. (laughs) Really only listening to it during Christmas time. Let's be honest. Yeah. And even then that goes with knowing that you've got the whole blackface thing he does in, um, not white Christmas, but, um, which would have been awesome if that was. It's it's in the one that was White Christmas. So I should look this up, but White Christmas is just a remake of a, another film that Bing Crosby did. Okay. About And it has Christmas as a large part of it. Okay. So it's just a slight variation on it. And he's in blackface. In that. mm, that's unfortunate. And there's a song about, I really miss the minstrel shows in White Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to give him a pass, but like, it's one of those things where like, it's hard to imagine what it was like living, you know what I mean? In 1943, I think yeah, is when I mean, that film like, came out. Right. Yeah. I know. It's, I mean, it's not good. No, it's not good. But, you know, but, you know, I think even things that we, you know, we're all going to be guilty of it to some extent, right? Yeah, sure. Things that we talk about as we, you know, and we're probably not going to have a whole lot. We like to think that, you know, we're open-minded yeah, yeah, sure. loving people but maybe the furries are going to come after us you never know man maybe we're being insensitive yep exactly we hey, probably we hey, definitely hey, are hey between the two of us i'm not the one in trouble <laughs> all right when when our furry overlords have completed their quest to take over the earth in 2064 is that a thing yeah yeah dude what do you think we talk about at the conventions okay it's not it's not it's not fun it's work listen they are work meetings <laughs> you are you're pulling a colbert here and getting away with it by being serious and uh-huh. not cracking <laughs> I do. I whatever kink you're into. Yeah, go right. for it, man. That's your thing. I'm just saying, when King Furry, who you think we come up with a more creative name, but we don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. When he or she or it, I don't know. It's a fucking furry. I don't. Yeah. I, I, don't I don't know the gender, and I don't care. <laughs> right. When they review the tapes, yeah, they're gonna go. I don't know. It sounds like this E character was not on board. Um, okay. And then, a, yeah. Do do your things, furries. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yep. Yep. The the the, the strong hand of the furry is going to come down. I really hope my mom is not listening. No, to this. I'm pretty uh, sure she isn't by this point. I'm, I'm sorry, Mrs. E. <laughs> Did you see it? Might get loud. The documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I watched. I rewatched that the other night. Mm-hmm. I've rewatched that one a few times actually, and it's above average as a documentary goes. Yeah. It's a cool. It's just very unique in that you've got Jack White, Jimmy Page, and The Edge from mm-hmm. you two, all pretty accomplished guitar players in their own very distinct ways mm-hmm. of three different generations and getting them in one room and having them talk about it, giving a little background to their histories with the instrument and the histories, just making music. Um, there's a scene in it. Anyway, there's a lot of things I really liked about it, but there's a scene in it where Jimmy page is playing. Fuck. It's not ramble on it. I can't remember what song he's mm-hmm. playing. He's playing the riff from it. Um, it might be cashmere and the edge. Yeah. The edge and Jack white, the look on their faces, the smiles, and you don't see rock stars smile like this. You right. really don't Right. grin ear to ear grins, watching their hero mm-hmm. play a riff right in front of them. You know, 50 years after the song was out, that's something you get in a documentary. Like, Again, it grounds these people. Like, we're all just fans yeah. of music. Right. You'd have to be right to care that much to put in the work to become a famous musician. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I think that you, no one, well, not, but rock is kind of unique like that. Hmm. I think a pop star. Oh, yeah. No, true. Right. They could be like, well, I'm pretty and I'm marketable and they're going to hook me up with this producer and now I'm a star. You don't really see that in rock. You have to. Yeah. There's a longer road. You got to play an instrument. Well, you got to. Absolutely. And there's not as much of a continuum because it's just, you know, talk about pop stars. It's usually vocalists. Yeah. Right. And, That's true. And the whole thing about pop is you're doing something new. Right. Like what Donna Summer did. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Like, and then what Whitney Houston did isn't necessarily related to Olivia Rodrigo or whoever. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, one thing going back for a second about the Bob Mold uh, appearance. Yeah. And that. There's one one of my favorite conspiracy theories okay. tied to this. <laughs> okay. So the song that he does background vocals on is called Dear Rosemary. Okay. All right. And it's it's a cryptic song. And, you know, there's, I, I won't recite the lyrics for you. You can go look them up. But there is a conspiracy theory out there that that song is, there, there's some lady named Rosemary. I forgot her exact, I, I, she's somehow in the orbit of Kurt Cobain. Okay. I, I forget exactly how. Okay. Lo- I think a lawyer maybe. Oh. But the rumor or the theory is she knows that Courtney killed Kurt. Jesus Christ. And it is Dave, that Dave will never come out and say it. Okay. That he knows as well. Okay. But this song is his way of like kind of begging her to come out with it. Jesus. So what gives some fuel to that okay. is in the in the chorus where they say this was no ordinary life. And then Bob Mole says, this is no ordinary. The last time he says it, he clearly says wife. Oh, really? Yes. And it's not in the lyric sheet says life. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Wow. So if you listen closely to what he says, this was no ordinary wife. Okay. Courtney, blah, blah, blah. And the, the theory is that she actually like physically shot him either, either or, ordered a hit or did it herself, but that it was not suicide. Jesus Christ. That she did it to, you know, for her own fame and right. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So rabbit hole for you folks. Yeah, to go no down. shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, so it might get loud. So what I really liked about that is I would have never watched a documentary on the edge. Right. I would have probably watched a documentary on the white stripes. I have 
probably yeah i know i've watched behind the music on led zeppelin right for sure and i've read a led Ze- the most recent led zeppelin biography even even though i'm not a big fan i just heard it was really yeah, it's led good. zeppelin though. yeah set the story straight or whatever um yeah and it so i don't like you two i i don't ever play you two yeah. i'm not a youtube fan and i'm like this guy's a fucking great guitarist yeah and just to see the artistic process and so to spoil it if you haven't watched it i think it's on tubi for free mm-hmm. which right so um so so you've got Jimmy Page who comes from, you know, this very specific background and then makes this huge bombastic blues influenced, um, but a different thing, like basically invents heavy metal. Like there's his guitar playing and he's got classical chops as well, right? He's got like the, um, the, the dual neck guitar that has a 12 string on top and the six string on the bottom so he can play Stairway to Heaven or whatever. Um, so you've got him and all the, all the history he has as being one of the greatest guitar players ever. You've got Jack White who is at this time new on the scene and is also very blues influenced, mm-hmm. but is a whole other thing. It's raw. It's emotion. It's, he talks a lot about, he wants to struggle against his instrument. Mm-hmm. He, he, he loves what comes out of fighting against restrictions. Mm. And any creative will tell you that that's, you need that fuel. You need guardrails or you need someone telling you, you can't do that. Right. And for him, he likes the actual physical stuff telling me he can't do it. That's why he's into like old timey instruments yeah. and like record like, builds like purposely shitty guitars yes. to try to get music. out yes, of Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then you have the edge who is the exact opposite. He plays very simple riffs, but is obsessed with the different ways a guitar can sound via technology, mm-hmm. via pedals, via, um, you know, computer programs and all, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think the, the, my inclination was to go, Oh, that's cheating. And it's not that interesting because whatever you're making computers do most of the work. It's just as creative a process as anything else. Right. His depth of knowledge about what this little turn of a knob will do. Just looking at the fucking his wall of knobs, right. <laughs> which wall of knobs, <laughs> My debut <laughs> hardcore album. Yeah. So my, my, my biography, actually. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, and I still won't listen to YouTube, but it was really cool. Like, I'm like, oh, right. respect. Like, right. <laughs> I like that guy now. Yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, really, also, just because it's fresh in my mind, the end of that documentary is so fucking stupid. You've got three guitar, guitar gods, whatever. They're not, maybe not guitar gods, but three accomplished guitar players. And the way they choose to end the film is to have the three of them sit down with acoustic guitars and play The Weight by the band. That's a horrible idea. It's so dumb. Jack White can sing in his way, right? right. It is a very specific, and I can see you not liking Jack White's voice because it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, the Edge doesn't sing. No. He's a background I, mean, I think he maybe made one debut album or one solo album. Jimmy Page, in it, as you're watching the documentary, he's like, I'm not singing. I'm fucking terrible. I can't. Yeah. I'm not even going to bother. There's no guitar flourishes in that song. Right. It's just straightforward. Like they should have had the three of them write an original thing. Yes. Right. Which all- I think Dave Grohl did in a documentary. Yeah. In Sound City. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the whole point of the music of the whole point of the documentary yeah. is about creation. Yes. It's like, let's end this with a cover. With a cover song. <laughs> this so- ill, ill suited for the purpose. <laughs> oh my God. I was yeah. so bummed out by it. Yeah. That's a weird, and the lyrics to that song are so weird. Yeah. And I've already told, 
I think I've already described in this, have I in this podcast? Yeah, yeah but do okay. it again. Oh. It's worth it. Oh yeah. Where someone said like, Hey dude, like it's, it's a, it's a tweet or something where it's like my buddy asked me if I wanted to listen to the band. I said, no, I'll just sit on an accordion while watching a civil war documentary. <laughs> <It's fantastic. laughs> I love so much, yeah. but that song is why that joke is funny. Cause it, it's right. Uh, or no, that's the night they drove all Dixie yeah. down. Right. Anyway. Right, but like, but for ending that documentary, like even in two seconds, I can come up with like, okay, have the three of them cover back in black. Oh, that'd be cool. Right. But do it with the, their style, the way they right? would do like it. Like any kind of iconic riff. Yeah, I know. But that was a cool part in the, in the documentary. They do teach each other how to play each other's songs. Yeah. And that was real, like fucking fascinating. I know that the edge doesn't, well, there's a reason why they chose to make the kind of guitar rock that they made. Right. And they wouldn't make that other kind. But just to watch these, their head, you know, put their heads together and try to sort it out. Oh, is that a D chord? Is that this? Right. Oh, it's just fascinating shit. Yeah. And that's from someone who doesn't play an instrument. Right. And I go down those rabbit holes. I know you do for sure on drum stuff, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, where I'll watch whole YouTube videos about effects pedals, and I have no fucking idea what they're talking about, really. Yeah. But I just want to see any other documentaries come up. When you think no, of right away? I mean, some that they were, you know, I think the ones that we discussed were the only ones that really I had a lot of thoughts about. I mean, like I watched like the Iron Maiden one. Yeah, that was, I watched that one too. But, but, you know, centered around Bruce Dickinson being a pilot so that, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, that's one of my other dorky yeah. obsessions. Sure. Um, you know, the Rush. Yeah. We've talked about that one before. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, they're all just good. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and they, they dabble in a bit of the person, a, a bit of the current moment, mm-hmm. a bit of the music. Which I enjoy, yeah. but the ones that we discussed are the ones that I think are a little bit more unique yeah. and have some more depth to them, maybe. And and one we've said we were going to talk about for a long time is the Tragically Hip one, mm-hmm. right? Which is the fi- the documentary about the final tour and where Gord Downey knows he's dying. Yeah. Like he's got been given a, you have so many months to live and they're going to gonna go out one more time and do a series of concerts in their native Canada. And holy shit, that's a whole different thing yeah. because it's not released until after he dies. Right. And again, fascinating. I'm not a Tragically Hip fan. Right. I think I knew, we, our friend Mark liked Tragically Hip when we were kids. Yeah. And I never got into it. And after watching that, I'm like, fuck yeah, I got to dig into this because yeah. just a, such an, seemed like an amazing dude, yeah. first of all, the, the lead singer. Um, and then learning what, tragically hip meant to canadians right was fascinating yeah because we don't no we don't have that it's part of their national identity it is like it was like when he died like the prime minister came out in tears, in tears. and announced it yeah it was it was like the we killed bin laden moment <laughs> right exactly yeah. yeah no just crazy and and we get that a little bit because we obviously being in the detroit area i think mm-hmm. we've even talked about this before is that when a lot of our radio stations here are out of Canada mm-hmm. and they have to play by law, a certain percentage of Canadian artists, like the arts and music is incredibly important mm-hmm. to Canada as a, as a nation. Mm-hmm. And to have this figure, this, this, this person of such of stature, like Gord Downey do this last tour, just, Oh, it was so emotionally powerful. It was hard to keep it together during that yeah. film. That was super good. Yeah. And that's something that in a future, we already know in a future episode, we're going to come back and reference that pretty heavily. So yeah, absolutely. Yep. So then you also have documentaries that are just concert yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. And those are good too. I like those. Yeah. Like the last waltz. Right. Well, a, which is also about a band breaking up though. Right. Yeah. Right. But sure. I mean, it's kind of like, those are, I think the, the movie equivalent of like a summer blockbuster. Like, yeah, sure. You know, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Right. But then it's not going to leave you with a whole lot after the fact. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you have the 
weird singular sort of experience where like the last waltz martin scorsese directed it right and, and everyone knew that they were breaking up this was their final show and they're mm-hmm. going to record it and they're going to make a big deal out of it um lcd sound system did the same thing like maybe less than 10 years ago like this is the final we're done we're not going to make we're not going to be lcd sound system anymore um, we're going to perform three or four nights at madison square garden they're from new york it's going to be a big send-off a big party and we're going to do a documentary about it they got back together like two years later yeah you can't do that you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> and everyone was okay with it and I, i'm kind of okay with it but oh man it ruined now that's something that happened in real life that ruined my experience yeah. with the film and kind of changed my impression yeah. of them at least swap out a member <laughs> right and i'm sure they did it's yeah. a collective anyway as, yeah. as i understand it that's a poor idea oh yeah it was so weird yeah you got to be sure yeah it is a cool documentary though uh, yeah. worth watching and then you also have another kind of documentary i was thinking of were ones where it's uh just about an artist's life and it's not really about the music so there was a louis armstrong documentary that came out not that long ago i don't remember how many parts it was it was on apple tv but um it's called black and blues and it's not really about like you don't get into why he's such a great trumpet player you get into a little bit about what he did vocally and how he changed the game vocally but um it's mostly about his career and his life and his friends and yeah one really interesting part of it I mean, it's called black and blues so it talks a little bit about great title yeah it is um about his perception um because you've got a a a black man leading a band who's worldwide popular right and but he's got this also this persona where he's grinning and smiling all the time and there was what i learned and i didn't know this a general sort of perception amongst the black community especially maybe into the 60s and 70s and then beyond i think he died in 1980 um yeah that sounds right um that he was like this uncle Tom character Yeah. that he was this putting on a show because he was like your old black uncle. Right. Right. That, that he was, um, not, uh, didn't seem dangerous to white people. They could tolerate it. He sang nice song, nice, pretty songs. Uh, I didn't know any of that. And I didn't know that it took years after that for the black community to basically to kind of after his death, sort of re-examine the relationship with Louis Armstrong and go, he's like a pioneer of jazz music. Yeah. All, I mean. Yeah. And maybe he was just actually enjoying himself. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Could, could it be that he was actually enjoying right. himself? Right. Yeah. No, I thought that was fascinating. Um, did you watch Get Back? No. No, I, I watched maybe the first episode. Yeah. It was, I think, uh, our, I think we talked about it in another episode. It's like you're watching a band. Practice. Practice. Yeah. And it's, brutal and they record every, why they needed peter jackson to direct that i have no fucking idea they just left the cameras on and they, yeah. they basically put everything in it right. they're like well we have this footage we're going to use all of it yeah. that was a rough watch i don't know maybe our audience disagrees but yeah, yeah that was tough i know we can't get through it no exactly no <laughs> right. that's a really good yeah. point if we can't get through who can um some other stuff i wanted to shout out there's um a lot of great uh podcasts that are like well documentary podcasts so We've mentioned Song Exploder before. Um, that's great if you want to get to the nuts and bolts of a particular song. It's the ins and outs of how they started and how the song started, its roots. Sometimes they'll play like demo versions that you've never heard before. They'll separate, they'll get on the mixing board and like pull out the vocals or pull out the bass or drums or whatever. That's really cool. Um, there's a podcast I really want to, uh, Tank, I think you'd really like this called Dissect. Mm-hmm. It's a Spotify podcast and it's, they take an artist's album and do an entire season song by song. Okay. And um, they lean really heavily hip hop at the beginning. Okay. Which uh, you, I know. Normally not strong albums. Yes. Yeah. 
so there have been a series on or seasons on Kendrick, on Tyler the Creator, on Frank Ocean, not not hip hop, but whatever. Um, Mac Miller, uh, the newest ones on Radiohead. Okay. So it's on In Rainbows, and the first episode is like how they got to In Rainbows, and then it's a track by track analysis. It gets pretty deep. Like yeah. he's he's literally counting out time signatures in the yeah. podcast, which I think is for a very specific audience. Yes. Um, but there's other. There was like a Joy Division one where I learned all about the history of Joy Division through a podcast. They would never, you know, they can't make a film on it, but they can do a podcast. I'm guessing it's a lot cheaper to do that. Right. Um, Desert Island Discs from the BBC is a really good one. Have you ever listened to that? Mm-mm. That is, it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, they get somebody in to talk about the five yeah. CDs. Kind of like our relegation. Yeah, ex- a lot like it. Yeah, for sure. The Tom York one is unsurprisingly was really good. Um, another random ass one I, I remembered when I was preparing for this podcast was there's a show called You Must Remem- You Must Remember This, and it's about this uh, the unknown stories of like the golden age of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Okay. They did one on, they did a whole series of them on Frank Sinatra and they did a whole episode on this one random ass album he did in 1979. It was a three album set. It was like past where he does standards. Mm-hmm. The second album was current where he's like reworking rock songs into the Sinatra style. And the third album is all about outer space. Oh. <laughs> it's just fucking bizarre and she gets into the, the the host gets into why he did that in the first place how it was received that kind of shit i eat up like yeah. just the weirdness out there that's super fun to follow no i mean that's it's an almost endless amount yeah. of material to cover yeah right? absolutely every album has a story for sure did you see the beastie boys movie it's no. literally called the beastie boys movie no it's a fucking powerpoint presentation really yes it's it's the surviving members of Beastie Boys in a theater in New York, standing next to a giant screen, talking about the history of the band, and it's scripted. That's it's weird. That is weird. I was not like, and I only kind of like the Beastie Boys, and so but I was interested in the story because whatever. Because as I mentioned before, I'm interested in any musician story. But yeah, it was weird. I didn't like even it. just the choice to have live action on stage referring to. A slideshow instead of just yeah make the slideshow the movie and narrate it right right <laughs> yeah yeah which is essentially behind the music yeah, exactly yeah it was very weird i mean it's not a slideshow they're video clips but this yeah, but, but that's how it came off like a fucking ted talk that's weird like, yeah it was super weird all right well that uh you know <laughs> we, we meandered our way to an ending we sure did and that makes up that episode uh thank you very much for listening yeah. and we'll be back next week with another exciting topic and a playlist challenge which i know you might have uh might have missed this week yep See ya. Fucking bizarre. And she gets into the, the, the host gets into why he did that in the first place, how it was received that kind of shit. I eat up like yeah. just the weirdness out there. That's super fun to follow. No, I mean, that's, it's an almost endless amount yeah. of material to cover yeah right? absolutely every album has a story for sure did you see the beastie boys movie it's no. literally called the beastie boys movie no it's a fucking powerpoint presentation really yes it's it's the surviving members of beastie boys in a theater in new york standing next to a giant screen talking about the history of the band and it's scripted that's it's weird that is weird i was not like 
and I only kind of like the Beastie Boys, and so but I was interested in the story because whatever. Because as I mentioned before, I'm interested in any musician story. But yeah, it was weird. I didn't like even it. just the choice to have live action on stage referring to a slideshow instead of just yeah make the slideshow the movie and narrate it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is essentially behind the music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was very weird. I mean, it's not a slideshow. They're video clips, but this, yeah, but, but that's how it came off like a fucking Ted talk. That's weird. Like, yeah. It was super weird. All right. Well, that, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we meandered our way to an ending. We sure did. And that makes up that episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Yeah. And we'll be back next week with another exciting topic and a playlist challenge, which I know you might've, uh, might've missed this week. Yep. See ya. Yeah.